In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A radiant day here at Faith Capo. Of course, last week we had the return of the hymnals and the return of coffee. And this week, it's our church picnic. Which, by the way, if you haven't made plans to come, come. This is a perfect time for you to experience the community and fellowship here at Faith Capo, to see old friends and make new. We have extra food. We even have extra face paint, if that's your thing. We don't want to be disconnected Christians. We want to be robust in our faith. We don't want our faith to atrophy into a just me and God mentality. We don't want our faith to weaken to the point that we think that Sunday morning services is all there is and all that matters. We don't want to be bare minimum Christians. We want to be robust in the faith. We want to see how divine service connects us, not only with God, but with one another. We are walking together in an upward path toward God in Christ Jesus. We want to increasingly engage and live the fullness of Christianity, the fullness of the life that God has given us as his beloved children, baptized, washed of our sins, united with one another in one spirit, in one Lord Jesus Christ, and in one heavenly Father. God gives to us so that we would have something to give to one another. God has mercy upon us so that we would have mercies to share with one another. And that happens to be the heart of our Lord's teaching this morning. We heard Jesus say one of the greatest lines of his sermon on the plain, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. I just realized when I said Sermon on the Plain, some of you were picturing an airplane. <laughs> P-L-A-I-N. How can we even begin to count all of God's mercies toward us? How many times has he spared us from danger without us even being aware of it? How many times has he delayed us, even while we grumbled or lost our patience and kept us from a car accident or some other calamity? How many times has he quietly destroyed cancer cells in our bodies without us even knowing? How many times has he guided us, even against our own will and desires, into something much greater? I'm reminded of the response that Reverend Dr. Kramer gives when you ask him how he's doing, better than I deserve. How true for all of us. God's mercy is precisely that he blesses us though we deserve it not. He blesses us whether we are grateful or not. And the greatest expression of God's mercy Indeed, that mercy which encompasses all other mercies and from which all other mercies flow is, of course, the cross, specifically Christ and him crucified. And that is why 
it remains at the very center of our chancel and sanctuary. Upon that cross hangs the Lamb of God, the Son of God, who takes away not merely the sins of some people, a spiritual upper class, not merely the sins of those who have somehow ingratiated themselves to God, but there hangs the Lamb and Son of God who takes away the sins of the entire world, good and evil, worthy and unworthy, everyone together. We must always think on the wonder of this. God became as you, that he might make atonement for all your sins himself, that you would be cleansed by nothing less than his own blood, that God would then make himself known to you in the cross so that in all earthly trial, in all earthly tribulation, you might even still know his merciful heart toward you and his steadfast and fatherly love for you. He is leading you on an upward path through this life, blessing you beyond what you deserve, not reckoning your sins and leading you ultimately through the very heart of death itself, unscathed, and bringing you finally to an everlasting kingdom and an everlasting life of blessedness with him, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. There's a saying of those who like to invest in the stock market, when in doubt, zoom out. And that's precisely what we need to do as Christians, and particularly when we find ourselves in times of anxiety or worry, in times of suffering or sorrow, or whatever else might be troubling our hearts. It's what the psalmists repeatedly do for us. When in doubt, zoom out. See the big picture. God's mercies of old and God's mercies to you throughout all your life. See especially God's mercy for you in Christ Jesus. See where God is leading you in Christ Jesus. As St. Paul writes, that we should obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. See then how God is calling you through trial to greater faith in him. See how he is being merciful to you on a daily basis see how he is calling you to be merciful in very specific circumstances in your own life. The upward call of Christ Jesus is in fact to become imitators of God. Can you imagine such honor? We would never dream of it had Christ not said it. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. And Christ gives us in his sermon four examples of this mercy. Judge not, condemn not, forgive, and give. When our Lord says judge not, he isn't overturning the entire justice system. He isn't condemning judges or police officers or juries who do in fact judge. 
nor, on the other hand, is he condemning bishops or pastors or even individual Christians from making moral and theological judgments. Jesus isn't abolishing divine law or subverting justice. But what our Lord is prohibiting are the kinds of petty, personal judgments that we often make against other people and petty, personal grudges that we so often hold. Judge not doesn't mean, as the world interprets this verse, that anything goes. It means, rather, that part of you being merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful means letting go of petty personal judgments, letting go of shallow and blanket condemnations. Thus our Lord teaches, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. But rather forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. What, after all, are our personal judgments and personal condemnations but an attempt of our egos to sit on the judgment seat of God when, A, that's not our place, and B, that's not how God judges. Indeed, God desires that all would be saved, that all would know his forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And indeed, he showers his blessings and his mercies even upon those who despise him. And as our Father is, so we his sons should strive to be, like Father, like sons. Compare this to the culture all around us, to the kingdom of the devil. We see almost nothing but personal, petty judgments. We see almost nothing but shallow, blanket condemnations. We see so-called cancel culture. We see public shaming and deplatforming and people losing their careers. We've seen pro-maskers and anti-maskers judging one another. We've seen pro-vaxxers and anti-vaxxers condemning one another. And most sorrowful of all, we've seen this in the church. In this world, there is, in fact, a famine of mercy. When our country went through this very acutely before, in the times of the Civil War, it came down to brother slaying brother physically. Judgment and condemnation were everywhere. As the war was drawing to a close, Abraham Lincoln, in his second inaugural address, said, with malice towards none, with charity for all, let us do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace. Wise words. We cannot move toward a just and lasting peace unless malice toward others is first removed and replaced with charity. The spiritual point for us to take home isn't that it's the church's job to bring earthly peace. In the ultimate sense, only Christ will do that and at his return. The spiritual point for us to take home is that justice and mercy aren't opposed Mercy doesn't abolish the law of God. Rather, it establishes it. Mercy doesn't subvert justice. Rather, it is the very means through which true justice is established. 
We see that it is the mercy of God in Christ and him crucified that establishes the justice and peace that will be fully realized when Christ does return. Which is also to say that when we are merciful, as our Father is merciful, we are bringing a foretaste of that feast which is to come. When we are merciful as our Father is merciful, we are bringing heaven into earth and light into darkness. And in us, the Holy Spirit is overcoming the unholy spirit. You may remember that most powerful moment in the play, Les Mis. After serving 19 years in prison for theft, Jean Valjean is released. And having nowhere else to go, he's invited to stay in a church. He returns this kindness by stealing the silver appointments from the sanctuary and slipping off into the night. When later he's caught, he's brought back before that pastor with the stolen goods. And the pastor pretends that Jean Valjean was given the silver as a gift. And that one act of mercy changes Jean Valjean and the lives that he touches forever. What is one act of mercy worth? Might not seem like it's worth anything in the present. But what is one act of mercy worth? We might ask Joseph or Joseph's brothers, are the 12 tribes of Israel who are named after them? Or the Gentiles who have now been grafted in by Christ Jesus our Lord? What is one act of mercy worth? My brothers and sisters, today you receive anew the mercies of God, the forgiveness of your sins. What greater joy could there be than to now be merciful as your heavenly Father has been merciful to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the